If the U.S. government, the media, the legal system, and the church can't keep democracy alive, it's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this. Welcome back to Estate Sale. I'm Lori Lattimore Volkman. And I'm Brad Raley. Today on our special Thanksgiving show, we're going to follow up on the madness of the Trump cult, both in the White House and across America, hit on the problem of misinformation in our democracy, and finish with some positives, including what we are thankful for, especially you, our devoted listeners. All 15 of you. (laughs) (laughs) Especially Bonnie Lattimore we, we, and Lisa Rayleigh. Right. We could actually probably list them all in, in a fairly short <laughs> I know. time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa, Bonnie, Colleen, Todd, Troy. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, Sydney Powell. She went full Rudy. <laughs> but she went past full Rudy. Right. I mean, right. I mean, I mean Rudy, even was saying- Rudy didn't implicate the other Republicans <laughs> when it all, when it finally was said and done. I was like, these these people are awful. This yeah. campaign is off. I mean, not yeah. campaign, but the White House. They're just. It is so blatant. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, it's. I mean, because I I pointed out, you know, our democracy is incredibly fragile, and we learned that. And I think one of the things we learned in the last week is that our democracy is maybe a little stronger than we thought, and that's good. It doesn't mean that it's that those problems aren't still there. And as everybody has pointed out, if this election had actually been close. Right. They would have they would have absolutely stolen it and they would have done so with a a wave in their goddamn Bible in the air. I mean, they would have they would have, you know, they they really are awful people. This I don't know if you happen to see. Do you know who Mehdi Hassan is? Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about him before. He interviewed the CEO of Newsmax just the other day. And, you know, Newsmax is now, what, sort of competing with Fox and, and OANN. I mean, now we have, now we have three of these right. conservative conglomerates trying to <laughs> overtake the world and make misinformation normal. And he asked the CEO, you know, do, how do you justify as a, as a, you know, you're a former news reporter. Like, you, you understand journalism and news. How do you justify having diamond and silk on your station calling the pandemic scamdemic, calling the coronavirus China virus, saying that, you know, spreading this complete lie that the coronavirus was just made up for November 3rd to bring us to this Mm -hmm. point where, you know, you could somehow (laughs) use it to win (laughs) with you know, with, aside from the ridiculous logic there. And his comment was, well, we're not saying that everything is accurate. We, we don't, you know, there are lots, there's lots of opinions on our shows and we don't, we don't necessarily agree that that's accurate. And so then Mehdi Hassan comes back and says, so you're saying that you're putting inaccurate information on your station. And he said, well, we, 
it's not for us to decide. It's for the people to decide. And that is a fundamental mistake. All right. It's not even a mistake. It is, it is just plain wrong. That isn't at all what journalism and news is supposed to be, where we just put everything out there and let people decide. The whole reason we have journalism is to get rid of that crap because people right. don't know. Right. And it's to say, we are trained to find information from good sources. And we're trained to show you what those sources are. And we do that. In some cases, we can't name the source because they, you know, they're afraid of repercussions. So, but we have backed this up with all kinds of corroboration. So mm -hmm. you can see in this story that it's not bogus. And that's the difference between <laughs> I mean, Diamond and Silk and Rudy Giuliani and QAnon and everybody else that just, they just make something up. Cesar Chavez has somehow rigged our election. <laughs> like it's insanity. Yeah. But people are, they have bought into this idea that they can just read whatever they want and it's fine. And these, these news corporations know they're misleading right. and their justification, even though they know they're allowing lies out there. Like Chris Reddy knows that's wrong. His justification is, well, we're just going to let people decide, which is what Trump does. I'm just going to let them decide if this QAnon thing is true or not. Right. No, that is not journalism. That is not news in a democracy. Right. That's crap. Yeah, it is crap. I agree. <laughs> but yeah. uh, to your and, but, point but and your question, how you get people to, you know, to walk back from this, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm really concerned about how we do this. I mean, we did talk about this last time. I mean, ultimately it's just the, the truthful voices have got to yeah. be louder yeah. and we have to constantly point out the lies so that they, they don't seem to be on par with the truth, but that's, it's, it's hard when there's so much noise from yes. so many different yes. sources that are speaking those lies. Yeah. So, uh, one possible positive thing and I, and again I say that as uh with you know knowing that I'm often oddly enough in our pairing I become the optimistic one which makes no sense at all that's just bullshit I know I'm gonna I'm going to renegotiate my contract with you in the new year because I I, I want to be the pessimist on the, <laughs> on the um, team. <laughs> but so just to just this is a little bit of a counter, but it's also seen some positive kind of, at least for me, some positive wrinkles. And so one of them was uh, this whole Sydney Powell thing was fat, fantastic. I mean, just absolutely. I mean, she is a fucking lunatic off the edge. She's jumped off the dock. She's, you know, I don't know what what metaphor we use. I mean, she is absolutely nuts. <laughs> I mean, this theory she put forward, which you alluded to, is this amazingly complex deep state theory that, you know, the deep state, including the CIA, uh, was working with uh, Chavez in Venezuela and the Cubans in uh, in Cuba and they, the, Ch the Chinese communists, because as somebody pointed out, I think it was Seth Meyer said, as as the CIA is well known for their pro communist leanings, I mean we know that from <laughs> right. from history. But we always um, go to right, and so you know she has this this wide theory that that Chavez was tired of losing elections or coming close to losing elections, so he invented this software 
Um, and we don't know where he got the technology from. That may be from the CIA. And then uh, created right. this Dominion uh, um, voting counting uh, system, which evidently is is housed right here in Colorado. Right. Um, all in an, in an effect to overthrow this election. Uh, of course, those same voter uh, voting machines were used in states that Trump won. Yeah. You know, so that makes no sense whatsoever. But she just went so far. And then again, through the governor of, of uh, Georgia, widely, widely understood to have uh, used voter suppression to get himself elected to make sure that um, Stacey Abrams was not elected governor. This okay. guy and the Republican uh, secretary of state. All of them are part of the uh, part of the conspiracy to overthrow this to the point that even Trump was like, I don't know, you may have seen this. Trump was evidently talking to some of his people saying that he was worried that Giuliani and his team were making him look uh, stupid. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I think you're the one making everybody look stupid because uh, you got lawyers quitting on you left and right. But here's here's the 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 sliver of positivity. First of all, let me just interject because I guarantee Trump doesn't know that he looks stupid based on what they said. He probably just saw the optics and like Giuliani's hair dyes running down his face. He's making me look stupid. Right. I guarantee he has he doesn't even understand the Dominion right. deep state connection. Right. And to point out that in terms of shallow, there was a piece in the Washington Post today or this week that said that the reason that Trump did not reauthorize uh, uh, Janet Yellen for uh, Fed chair is that she was too short. That was what he thought was the thing keeping her from being a good Fed chair was that she was too short. So that speaks to your point that probably Trump saw the the hair dye or the leftover brain cells dripping down Rudy's face and decided that made him look bad. I'm but here's a, here's a slightly no positive yeah. moment. That's where I was headed. One of them is the Secretary of State of Georgia wrote an op-ed piece in the USA Today, I don't know if you saw it, where he, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about how he and his family voted for Trump and supported him, and Trump still threw them under the bus and has called him a rhino and everything else. I don't know how that's going to reflect on him moving forward as a as a voter. He's a very staunch Republican, so I doubt that he he's going to turn around and vote for uh, John Ossoff or uh, or the Reverend. But those kinds of things, the realization that that Republicanism under Trump is just simply about protecting Trump's ego, um, is is interesting. And and you can see some slivers in Georgia where you have people standing up in Georgia calling on uh, resistors to essentially destroy the Republican Party for not defending Trump enough, encouraging people to actually write in Trump's name. And if that happens, I I will uh, chef's kiss. I mean, I'll be like, you fuckers are amazing. I'm going to send you guys some money. I'm going to send you some. Right. I'm going to send you. I was when I saw that on Twitter, I was like, let's not point this out because the more we make fun of it, they're going to realize how stupid right. this is. Let them right. go ahead and do that. <laughs> I, I am really tempted to send them some gift cards for some malt liquor or something, because it feels like that that's, that was dismissive and, and classist, but still uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. The other little sliver of goodness was actually oddly enough, Tucker fucking Carlson. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm, I'm as, uh, and again, we're going to have to renegotiate my contract. The fact that I have to say something positive about Tucker Carlson, <laughs> I okay. deserve a, I deserve a raise. They're, right, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happily give you a raise. <laughs> they will. Um, don't worry, because next week 
Tucker will have said something racist and awful and you'll be able to go back to hating him and speaking badly about him. So it's okay. Oh, I still hate him. I know. I'm Sorry. just saying, don't feel bad about saying something good about him because you'll be okay. able to make up for it. Say something yeah, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause he's a white supremacist on crack. I mean, he's, he's, you know, but this was the amazing thing. And you know, this story, but he actually invited uh wingnut Sidney Powell onto his show. He said, we would have given her gladly given her the hour. We would have given her the entire week if she could come on and explain her theory. <laughs> and all he wanted was just some kind of evidence. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, she wouldn't send him in and finally told him, she finally told him to stop contacting her. I'm like, how fucking crazy do you have to be? Yeah. That- she wouldn't even go on the show because she had no. Yeah. So, I'm for one thing, the thing that I am hoping for, I think this is what all of us sane people are hoping for, <laughs> is that there is a, a a split in the Republican Party and the and the Republican Party goes with a, a Trump leaning Trump party. And then there's a Republican Party, which might actually you and I would not vote for them. But um, but we see people in there that clearly have demonstrated some kind of devotion to the country that we believe in as well. I mean, I say that for those Republicans in Michigan who I, you know, I have relatives in Michigan. And they've talked about the Republicans up there. They're not good people. I mean, that's where the Michigan militia actually comes from. That's that's where they trained, you know, people like Timothy McVeigh and all that shit. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, they got wooed and flown into D.C. to meet with the probably got fast food. I'm sure they got fast food. Lori, they probably got hamburgers given to them. Right. And, you know, they. They took their, you know, they took their free drinks at the Trump, uh, which again, malt liquor, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and, but at the end of the day, they didn't do anything. In fact, from, from the accounts, besides the fact that they did lie about the fact that Trump was trying to get them to do something about the election, right. but they did pitch Corona, uh, COVID relief and help with the virus. I'm like, okay, you know, there's. <laughs> That I, I got to give it to those Republicans that they actually were pitching for something for their state that wasn't, you know, a militia right. member. And that, you know, so I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm not confident I'm at all because these people are, as we've just talked about, woefully uninformed, listening to bad sources, filled with racial resentment, filled with all sorts of bullshit Um but if they if they want to follow this Jim Jones style cult off a fucking cliff, as long as they don't take us with them, I say bon voyage. <laughs> Joint the mall liquor. Right. Well, that's the key though, right? They don't take us with them. I mean, they, they yeah. won't take us, you know, willingly, but they might take democracy down. Yeah. With it. So. They were certainly trying. They certainly were trying this time. And that that absolutely is the case. And I'm going to point that out to every Republican from now on, you know, for per, per, perpetuity. I'm going to say, you remember whenever your party actually tried to steal the election um, and did so to the point that it alienated even the wingnuts in your party? I mean, you had actual <laughs> fucking wingnuts in your party with tinfoil hats. They they were had to take off their tinfoil hats to say, nope, you've gone too far. That's how bad they've been. Yeah. It's crazy, but then I still I still can't get over the fact that you know Trump's is still he's still claiming that he's going to remain president. He's still not he didn't actually concede, and he's still trying to pitch that there's all these 
fraudulent votes in Michigan or Wisconsin. I think today he's going back yeah. to Wisconsin. Yeah. And we still have millions of people who are touting that line and because they believe it. I mean, there's many Republican leaders who are either just silent or are still perpetuating it like Lindsey Graham because they're trying to hold on to some power and trying to you know, still ignite that base right. and keep Georgia in play and all those you know, different strategies, all while completely unraveling the fabric of democracy because we have millions of people who think that the election was stolen and they yes. will and they will think that all the way through the next four years. And as many of my favorite commentators at Pod Save America have pointed out, <laughs> and as you alluded to, just because we were successful in this election, look for this tenfold in 2022 and 2024. I mean, the Republicans won't stop with this nonsense because they've they've laid the groundwork for it and it didn't work this time, but they will keep trying to basically say elections can't be trusted. I mean, they've, they've essentially set it up for any Republican. I mean, they've set it up for any candidate, but it's yeah. only the Republicans who are going to do this. Republican to say, it, you know, I can't trust, I cannot trust the votes. I can't trust the process. And so I'm going to contest anything where I lose. And, yeah. you know, we, we cannot have democracy if we're constantly having no faith. And yet, right. many right. people have said this election is, it was under the most scrutiny. It had, you know, the most going against it with the coronavirus right. and, you know, and, and all of the attempts through the post office and through Trump just trying to bash the whole idea of mail-in voting. And so there was tons of scrutiny. There were tons of people put in place to to watch this all their poll watchers that was all a republican design right? right and so we have republicans saying this was actually the the tightest and fairest election we've had in us history and yet we still have 40 million americans who think complete sham yeah i know that's that's not good my hope is that those uh, a good portion of those will decide that you know, I always think think this about conservative uh, Christians because they, there was a period there before before the moral majority where there was actually a, a line of thought among Pentecostal and kind of uh, right leaning people that that politics was too dirty for Christians. And so they actually weren't supposed to really get involved uh, to the point. I think I pointed out that Todd told me about um, Jerry Falwell when he because in the 60s, he used to preach. Uh, that exactly that the Christians shouldn't be involved. And then it, when he joined the moral majority, he went back and purged all his old sermons and everything out of his records so that people couldn't point out that he had. So he's very conscious of his flip flop, obviously. So I keep hoping that at some point the evangelical world is just going to give up and say, well, the pol political system isn't going to deal with this. We need to go, you know, retreat to our uh, camps and, Oh, whatever. Um, and so, you know, that would be awesome if they were to do that. I, I would encourage them to simply disconnect from the political process. And like that, I'm, I'm hoping there's a segment of that 40, you know, 40 million, whatever base that um, it comes to the same conclusion. This is too corrupt that I can't even uh, participate in it. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, the Republicans have been really far, uh, really adept at uh, 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 massaging those people. Um, and then, in, you know, enraging them. The other part of this, by the way, that 
I mean, in the short term, we're still struggling with this. Don't get me wrong. The demographics are still on the side of us as this ships. If we can, if we can hold off, you know, have our fingers on the dike to keep the, the flood of, of changing the rules. A lot of those kind of Republican kind of cohorts aren't, are, are, are leaving the planet. I mean, I'm, I'm not wishing for them to die. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying, but just the demographic shifts that are occurring are, I mean, more of the people that are coming into this country, which is why Stephen Miller and Donald Trump tried to stop it, you know, are people of color. Um, and, you know, uh, instead of being smart enough to recognize as some Republicans, I think are, is that many of those people actually are good candidates for, for Republican voters, you know, as right. we saw with the uh, Latinos in, in Florida, uh, instead of actually recognizing that really trying to broaden the tent, they've decided uh, so far, at least to double down on, on white supremacy and, you know, but we'll see. Um, yeah. So let me ask you, what do you think that when, you know, when this transition finally comes to fruition completely and we, you know, it's January 20th and we move over to the Biden presidency and the people he's put in place so far look, you know, very, very good and competent and brilliant. Are we going to be able to move past this era? <laughs> like, I, we're clearly going to still have this nonsense from the Republicans. But if they are not, if they don't hold the White House and they, yeah. even if they hold some power in the Senate, do we have enough to kind of make them irrelevant? I don't know. Uh, is the answer to that. Partly I'm going <laughs> to dodge, hide behind the dodge that my train is history. So we're good at looking at the past. We're not really good at looking in the future. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have hopes. I mean, I, I, I was one of the ones who was criticizing Biden early on in the campaign when he would say, Hey, when Trump's gone, I'll be able to work with Republicans again. You and I don't believe that. A lot of people don't believe that. Right. But I think Joe actually believes it. And I think that Joe does have some some personal relationships with some of those people uh, that may that may work. I, there's one other kind of thing going on here, by the way, to watch in the next couple of weeks, not only until the Electoral College officially uh, votes, but um, the other big thing is that the funding for the government's going to run out coming up. And... I'm I'm watching this really kind of closely for one thing because uh, my wife has a, a government job and the last time this happened she you know uh, contractors didn't get back pay so she was just out of work for a while but also partly because I think that this is something that Mitch McConnell is scared to death about because if Trump decides to go on his scorched earth I'm just going to fuck everybody over because I'm mad that people didn't didn't reelect me. He could easily decide to let the government stop functioning just to spite the Democrats. But it will actually, I think, really harm the Republicans. And we could see a furtherance of that split because I, I can only imagine John Ossoff and uh, um, what's the Reverend Warnock? Raphael Warnock. Warnock, yeah. Would be glad to run on, see what's happened in with the Republican Party. You're heading into Christmas without government functions. And uh, many of you were already hurting economically. Um, this is, this is why. And so I, I'm sure that Mitch McConnell is scared to death about that. So we'll, we'll see kind of what happens in the interim. So I think a lot of what's going to, what we're going to perceive in, in, or going to see in January is going to be dependent on what happens in Georgia. I, I, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that we're going to have some at least reprieve here in the sense that we are going to have entire days 
where no one is saying, what did he do now? And no one is saying, oh, my God, what a stupid shit. You know, you're going to you're going to go days where you're going to be focused on when's that vaccine coming out? Uh, are we having sports again? How am I going to get, you know, restock the toilet paper, but not thinking about the president at all? And I'll be very curious how that kind of weighs on people. And again, you know, that hardcore base, you can amp them up with, you know, any kind of lie you want. But there's a whole bunch of people I have to believe really are going to enjoy the fact that they don't have to wake up every day having to either defend their uh, the person they voted for or so we'll see. That's my long winded answer. <laughs> yeah, my, my hope with that, too, is that the news media doesn't keep commenting on Trump. I mean, Trump yeah. will still be around. He yeah. won't be in the White House, but he, this, you know, this is what he does. And I actually think this whole thing about the 2024, I, I think that's just, you know, it was his inner circle and then his Republican gurus trying to appease him and trying to get him through losing this election. Like, oh, we'll just tell him he can run in 2024. Like, I can't imagine that Republicans, Mitch McConnell, really want him to run in 2024. Because even though they're able to use how he energizes his base, I mean, he really is still a disaster. I mean, he's a constant contradiction. And I think they're probably exhausted too, especially having to always comment on his tweets and his his behavior and his inconsistencies. Well, on that note, you saw Bernstein's um, story about that he 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 named yeah. names of twenty some Republican senators who privately absolutely loathe Donald Trump. Right. I mean, and that's really been obvious. It's just yes. they've needed him, and they're all such lackeys. Yes. That they went along with it. So, so the whole twenty twenty four, I think, was just to appease him after losing the election. And trying to get him to not be so crazy, I have to think that they're really privately crossing their fingers and going, "Please don't be around in 2024. We we need a more normal person who is still, you know, right, not a good guy, but at least or woman. But come on, it's Republicans um, <laughs> that will be able to sound more professional, kind of be the more reserved and traditional politician, while also having the same crazy alt-right kind of policy in yes. mind. On, on that point, by the way, real quick, um, and then we can move on to other things. But I think the interesting part about that is Trump's, you know, back to the secretary of state in, in Georgia, talking about Trump throwing him under the bus, even though he voted for him and supported him and wanted him to win. I think one of the things we're going to see is something you and I have observed from the beginning. And, and most Democrats have recognized this. And I think a lot of Republicans too, but, but you know, the Trump is about Trump. He's not about the Republican party whatsoever. So it's very likely that even if it was floated to him as a, as a possible idea, he will like the idea of being the, the power broker in the Republican party. I mean, he's already made moves to try to shore up power in the RNC, his idiot kids. And, and one of his his daughter-in-law is talking about running for a, a Senate seat in, in North Carolina or something like that. I mean, they are literally like the cockroaches you can't get rid of. Um, <laughs> but in fact, if they, if he wants a seat, perceives that, that he needs to keep in the spotlight, that he can go out and do his little fucking clan rallies and, and do all this stuff and, and be the power broker, the, the king, 
then one of the things he will do, because this is what he does, is he will undermine any credible candidates in the Republican Party. Um, and I'm guessing that's what McConnell really actually is scared of, is that right. even if even if Trump is not a viable 2024 candidate, he is going to go out of his way to rat buck the party. And, you know, that part I will cheer, of course. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I totally agree that, you know, Mitch McConnell is probably afraid of that because Donald Trump does have this somehow he has this magnetism with the camera and with people that just can't get their eyes off of him. It can't leave him alone. Like we've, yeah. he, he is irrelevant. We need to make him the irrelevance that he is. Right. Instead of making him relevant. I mean, that's what, like, let him go have his clan rallies with thousands of people. Let 40 million people love him. But if, if he's not in the media, if he's not being covered, if he's not being given a microphone, yep. that the whole country can see, then He'll just be over there having his clan rallies. So the 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 real downside, and and I'm sure you saw this. It was in the Washington uh, Washington Post, and this this really depressed me this morning. Uh, was the number of people who are hungry in America? Yes. Uh, stunning. And I, I don't know if you saw the little map, but South Carolina is one of the worst states. Yeah, I mean, most of them are red states. I mean, California's getting hard hit, and there's a couple others, Nevada uh, as well, but almost every other one that's really hardest hit are Republican states. I mean, that's not a terrible surprise. But we also have, of course, a federal response that's been criminal. I mean, Mitch McConnell just sent everybody home. He's like, fuck it, I don't care. Um, and, you know, people are literally in long lines at food banks just to get some some food for for this week. And who knows what's going to happen next week? I mean, it's 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 and this is a problem, of course, that has been there for a while. And this is something I'd like us to do a, a podcast just on on hunger and poverty and how that's changed over the last 40 years. But um, but it, it, this has been there. But of course, the pandemic has made it far worse. And the response has made it far worse. And so uh, I'm, for one, am urging people, and we're gonna we're gonna be pushing this out on our social media. But you know, we're we're giving to our local food bank, of course. But I'm looking at those states like South Carolina and Texas and Mississippi that are incredibly hard hit, where people are really talking about not having enough food on the table. Um, and see if we can reach out to some of those food banks and and get some money out there because this this is criminal. I mean, it's absolutely horrific. Um, we are a shithole nation if we're heading into to the holiday season and literally millions of people are dependent on a food bank just to have a meal for their for their family. It's just that's just awful. Right. And I think, you know, this year in particular, it's it's a whole lot more diverse group that's going hungry. Yep. And we've tended, sadly, to ignore it because. You know, for most of us, it's been a, a the problem of somebody else. Right. But now it's, you know, it's us. It's our, our friends. I mean, it's it's a lot right. of people right. who just because of the pandemic lost a job. Right. And all right. You want to do uh, shall we do positive? Um, <laughs> shall we talk about? Yeah. What are you thankful for? What are you going to say? I. I'm really thankful and honestly for my network of people um, support which I recognize is, is, is an amazing privilege that, you know, when I've been down in this pandemic and I know we're, you know, we're six months out from, from widespread vaccine, it's going to be a while longer. I know 
it's been amazing how many people from across um, my life, uh, some, sometimes people I've never met in person, friends who have, we, we found a connection through social media, through a shared experience, have reached out to me privately to see if I'm okay. Or friends that I've known for really only a couple of years reaching out and checking in on me. Um, and then, of course, there are my friends from, from a long time ago, like you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that I, I really, really, really appreciate that. And by the way, since I mentioned you, I really appreciate you. And I'm thankful. I, I, I honestly mean this. And I, I, um, your encouragement to do this podcast has been a really good thing for me. Um, and I appreciate that very much. I appreciate your encouragement and your thoughtfulness. Um, so thank you. Oh, you are welcome. That's a, that's a good start. I, I think I can now, now I'm in the right frame of mind. (laughs) (laughs) And let me reiterate, because I was thinking as you were talking about your network, I was thinking, I am very thankful for this podcast. You know, even if we have 20 people who ever listen to it, <laughs> I don't really care. It's been far more about having a forum to discuss with somebody else, some other brilliant, you know, human being, issues that are important and just feel like making a difference. I So, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm definitely thankful for millions of people I don't know who also came came together to really get involved and and become active in the last four years because truly without without that we we wouldn't be having a positive conversation at all right now it would be doomsday for sure and i think to to people i know to to people i don't know everyone out there who took this all seriously and you know with money or with time said this is important this is a big deal and so I'm, I'm thankful that we do have Americans who actually really have a heart and have a soul and understand that we're in this together. This country doesn't work if it's all for me, you know, if it's all right. for an individual. Right. And while we have too many people in this country who do look at it that way, we have enough who see it as a bigger, a bigger picture, a bigger goal. Yeah. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunity to to vent all my concerns and worries so that I I can kind of let it go after you and I talk. And I'm thankful for you. <laughs> because I, it makes it allows me to laugh and and somehow make you the optimist. You, just, I, you know, I it also reminds me that there are there are so many good people out there and yeah. you know the small part we get to play and kind of bringing that out and 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 making a, another little community of those kinds of people it definitely it definitely keeps me going yeah so. yep i i agree i i'm mindful of jason isbell's line from his song from it was a, the album came out in 2017 after the 2016 election and one of his lines was there can't be more of them than us and that's true I mean, uh, there are more people as as much as we as much as we lament the the people who are following Q and voting for Trump. You know, more people are you know agree with us uh, in some form or another, and that's that's a good thing. Um, 
by the way, I am also incredibly grateful for my wife, uh, Lisa, who, um, who listens to our podcast for one thing. Um, <laughs> but she also puts up with me. And, uh, you know, th- this has been, uh, you know, she, she often says that I'm the only person she thinks she could uh, uh, spend a quarantine with. Um, but I know that's true for me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not the easiest person to be around. And so, uh, um, you know, this has been, this has been a tough time. And, and so that support and, um, you know, it's been, it's been amazing. Yeah. And we should also probably our biggest fan other than Lisa is my mom. So yes. thanks mom for listening to all the podcasts. Agreed. <laughs> you can cut down on some of the reprimands on the language, but still <laughs> thank you. Nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that too. I appreciate Bonnie being just so supportive and encouraging and, and, and I know that she's listened. I think she's listened to all of them and, and I'm sure she is, uh, at times wondered, uh, you know, why I'm so angry. And other times I think she absolutely completely understands, but otherwise she's, she's regardless, she's been there to be supportive. And I appreciate that very much. She always understands why we're angry. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 It's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this.